so this man in Texas has planned poorly, and he has to go out of town, and he realizes the suit that he has has not been cleaned, and he's run out of time. So he, he remembers across town as a cleaner's, a one-hour dry cleaner's. And so he rushes across town, and he runs in, and he hands the suit over. They do all the work. He pays, and then he tells the woman at the counter, so I'm going to get this back in an hour, correct? And she said, sir, the soonest I can get this back to you is on Thursday. He said, whoa, 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 I, I thought this was a one-hour cleaner. And she goes, no, sir, that's just the name of the business. <laughs> Nineveh needed a prophet. They were a corrupt town. They had done things that, frankly, in our day would still be considered absolutely murderous. They, they were ruthless in their takeovers of cities. They would not only kill you, they would love doing it. And so the people of Nineveh had become really jaded to their sin. They did it all in the name of growth. They did it all in the name of conquering. They did it all in the name of something other than the name of God. And because of that, they had found themselves in love with themselves. And they needed a prophet. They needed somebody that would show up and would point them to the very nature of God. Somebody that would show up and show them the ways they should go in. Somebody that had a living God that really was truth. A God that formed nations. A God that breathed life into the human condition. They needed the one true God. And they needed a prophet. And so God sent one. He was reluctant at best. I mean, at this point in today's sermon, we've, we've covered some ground. We, we covered the calling of Jonah, who was a prophet to his own people. We, we get that through Scripture. This isn't his first time to speak on God's behalf. He was before kings. Here's the thing. God calls Jonah to a place that no one would want to go to. We wouldn't want to go to it. I mean, we would have run, I believe. I believe that's why this story plays before us so well, is because we're all in Jonah's shoes. And so because that he runs, he gets on a merchant uh, boat, and as they're pushing out, a storm rises up. They start to do all they know to do is they're throwing stuff overboard. They're hoping they don't sink. And then they wake up Jonah, who's like sleeping through the storm. Some of y'all slept through the storm last night. Um... This was unlike anything they had seen. And so they called Jonah up and they start to ask the question, somebody's at fault on this boat because this doesn't happen. It's not me. Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? And Jonah goes, whoa, 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 time out. It's me. Y'all going to have to throw me overboard. Remember what they do? They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. If your God's the God that does this stuff, like what's going to happen next to us? And reluctantly, they toss him overboard and it stops. So as a big fish comes and he swallows Jonah up. Three days he stays in the belly of this fish praying, God, you got me in here. I know you can get me out of here. I'll be obedient if I can just get out. And so God, at the end of chapter 2 of Jonah, has the big fish throw Jonah up on the shore. Here's the problem with bargaining with God. Because God always keeps his end of it. He, is, he can't change his nature. 
The problem with bargaining for us is we always change our minds. We always decide that we want to do something other than what we promised we would do. But here's Jonah on the beach, coughing up seaweed, smelling like fish. And now he's told God he's going to do something. He is going to go and tell the people of Nineveh what God has to say. So let's read it. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. This is a great verse, verse 3. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. This should have been his first action in the scripture. You ever find yourself trying to be obedient the second time because the first time burns you? So did Jonah. And in this moment, he's burned. He's actually waterlogged, which is just as bad. And so he gets up and he goes to Nineveh. Now, I want you to capture the, the, the thoughts of what Jonah is going to say in these moments and what's happening. It says this, now Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three-day walk. Now, I want to I pause for a second to give you qualifications of what this really is. We don't know how large the city of Nineveh was. I mean, we could say, oh, a three-day walk for a man took this much time, but we don't know. We just know it takes Jonah three days to cover the city, which is not a happy moment because we're about to hear his sermon. And so let's read it. Verse 4, Jonah sat on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. End of sermon. Verse 5, the men of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh by the order of king and his nobles, no man or beast, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from the violence he is doing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. Then God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened to do to them, and he did not do it. You know, Jonah's a really tough book of the Bible because it identifies really the prejudice of our hearts. I mean, with all that we know about Nineveh at this point, I believe all of us in the room would have wanted Nineveh to burn to the ground. We would have wanted them wiped off the map because we would have hated what they did. And because that in our righteous anger, so we call it, we would have wanted, like Jonah does, for the city to burn. The problem is God sent a prophet. And when God does something, he always follows through. Amen. You know, God loves people more than we do. I, it always messes with me a little bit when I think of that in terms of my family. Because I love my wife and I love my children. But God loves them more than me. I mean, it's unbelievable to think of, isn't it? The most treasured thing that we could treasure in a person, God treasures them more. 
God loves people more than we could ever love people. And he loved Nineveh more than even Nineveh loved themselves. I mean, they have given away everything that God would have called them to do. They hated their neighbors. They, they killed for the sake of killing. They were evil in their actions. They had quit pursuing God with their heart. The Ten Commandments had long flown away in their understanding. And here comes a prophet. Can you imagine that first day? I mean, for both parties. For just a moment, put yourself in Jonah's shoes as he's walking into the city and he delivers this message. 40 days, you're all going down next street. Hey, all of y'all in the bakery, 40 days, you're done. Hey, y'all over there gathering water, 40 days, y'all are finished. He just keeps preaching this. And the response should have been, if it was us, absolute horror. We would have run, we would have found him and said, now wait a second, what, whoa, 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 time out, what do you mean in 40 days? Their reaction is to remember who Jonah is. They get that he's a prophet. And they immediately find themselves in immediate repentance. Sackcloth, ashes. It just starts spreading in the city. What day did the king find out? We don't know, it just says in time, word reached the king. And his reaction if it was us, it would have been bring him in. What's his reaction? He empties himself of his kingly clothes. He puts on sackcloth and ashes. He has the same repentant heart because he gets it that God is speaking to the city of Nineveh and they're all listening. Here's the craziest part of that. Even the livestock gets sackcloth. Imagine what that kind of repentance looks like. When we see that God is about to do something and everybody in the party takes their place. Everybody's in sackcloth. Everybody's repenting. Except for one person. And he's the one preaching the message. <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm blown away by this moment because I really believe that God is about to do something in Nineveh that Jonah doesn't want him to do, don't you? For those of y'all that read the end of the story, y'all know God's hand. We just read it. Jonah doesn't get it. He could be in day two, and he still believes, hopefully, that they will not repent and God will destroy them. That's not God's plan. At least not yet. And so in this story, day one begins with a horrific sermon but a believing people. You see, all the city believed that God could do it and wanted to, but one man believed it and didn't want it to. Did God believe, or did Jonah believe that God could spare the city? Yeah. In fact, he believes it with his whole heart such that he doesn't want it to happen and he does not want to be the guy that sees the city healed. Our prejudices get in the way of God doing a lot. But he still follows through, doesn't he? We think that we control the very nature of God. That if we run, if we don't talk, if we don't do our part, that somehow God will just go, well, because Kyle didn't show up, I can't. You remember the moment where Jesus is in the triumphal entry? 
He's riding on the back of this donkey, and he's going through the streets, and the people began to cry out to him, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes, right? Like, all this is happening, and then all of a sudden, the leaders of the church arrive, and they tell Jesus, tell these people to be quiet. Do you remember what Jesus' response is? If I tell them to be quiet, the rocks will do it. Like, this moment of clarity shows us that God wants to use us, but he doesn't have to. He can use whatever he wants. He can move whoever he wants. Listen, God wants you to be a part of what he's doing, but he can use someone else. I mean, God didn't have to follow through with Jonah. He could have let him drown in the belly of that fish. He could have sent another prophet. God is God. But God's trying to prove a point to Jonah and to us. That even in our unrepentance and our unwillingness, God is still going to do what he's called to do. And sometimes he allows us to be so stubborn that he'll pull us through the belly of a fish to do it. Here's the thing. God's plan will be done. Here's your notes. God's plan will be done even if our heart isn't in it. Even if your heart isn't beating the way it should with God, he's going to accomplish what he wanted to do. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I desperately want for the next great movement of God in Amarillo to happen in this room, and I want to be a part of it. Like, I want you to be a part of it. I don't want you to miss it. I want to see the Spirit of God fill the room and change us all. I believe he can do it. I believe he wants to do it now. Not only will God's will be done, but listen, obstacles always seem bigger than our provision without the right heart. Obstacles always seem bigger without, uh, bigger than our provision without the right heart. You remember uh, seeing uh, Jurassic Park. They're driving away and they look in the right side mirror. You remember what it says always on the right side mirror? It says, obstacles seem what? Smaller? Right? And they look and here's the T-Rex running after them. Like, that, it just, our forevision, obstacles always seem bigger than our provision. And once we capture this moment, that God can help us, that God will show us, that God will speak for you. Lest we forget that some of our greatest heroes in faith had no ability to really speak. But God uses them mightily. I mean, even when Moses gives God the answer of, God, I can't, God, I'm not, God says that he is. And that he can just count upon him. That God's going to do something in his world that he doesn't get. Let's not forget that when Moses shows up, he's like, God, my speech isn't good. I, I don't talk really well. And by the end of his lifetime, uh, he is the guy that's talking all the time. He's a guy appearing before multitudes and preaching and sharing with them God's plan for their lives. God can use us all, and he wants to. God wants to use you today, and he doesn't want to use you up. I think there's this wrong thought that we get when we use those words that God wants to use you up and just throw you away. That's not how God works. In God's economy, when he uses you, he brings you closer to himself. He doesn't push you away. That's the human condition. We tend to use people up and push them out the door. God uses people and brings them closer to himself. And that's what he's trying to get Jonah to get. What a cool moment it could have been if the story was changed. 
that God would use Jonah. And Jonah would have willfully gone to Nineveh and shared with the people there. And they just break out in revival. And Jonah celebrates with God. Because we get it from Scripture that one person repents and returns to God. Heaven breaks out in a party. And wouldn't it be cool if that's what Jonah did? Like, what if the book of Jonah was all about the party that broke out in Nineveh for God? What if that was what we saw in the Scripture? But it's not. Instead, we get a party for one. We get a table for one that's all by itself while a party is raging on. You ever wonder what day Nineveh figured out that God had spared them? Jonah says in 40 days. You ever wonder what day 40 looked like in Nineveh? Sackcloth and ashes, repentance, and day 40 comes. We don't get that in the text, by the way. We don't get what happens in that 40th day. So see, chapter 4, which we'll go to next week, is all about Jonah. But we get that God relents from his judgment of Nineveh at this point. I kind of wonder what it looked like, don't you? Day 40 rolls in and the people hug their family tighter. They put things in order. They, they cry out. And then the sun sets. And then day 41 comes. For those of you that are Bible scholars, you realize that when day 41 comes, they awaken and they go back to the way they were. It's the hardship, isn't it? The hardship is that there is a capacity that men have in their life. And that capacity shows that if we want God to be a part of us, we have to give away some of ourselves. And Scripture says all of ourselves. And that God fills our capacity and he changes it. Our capacity to love, our capacity to empathize, our capacity to be joyful, to have self-control and mercy. All of that comes with the nature of God. It doesn't happen by human condition. How do we know it? Because love even doesn't look like what God intended, and we call it that. The joy doesn't look like the joy that God brought, even though we call it that. See, the human condition makes things happen that wasn't God's intention. We consider happiness joy. But happiness flees with the next moment. Joy goes through the trials. Love looks like God. It doesn't look like whatever we want to call it. Because I don't believe that God wants love to be the same thing we have for a cupcake. Maybe y'all haven't done it yet. But there's this bunt cake place in town. Have any of y'all walked in this place? They give you free samples. They're drug dealers. <laughs> Those of us that are trying to watch our diet, it's like, praise the Lord. Um, but you walk in, and it doesn't smell like a city dump, does it? It smells like fresh baked goods. And you walk in, and the people are pleasant. You walk in, they go, oh, we're so glad you're here. Have some bunt cake. And you're like, yes, I will. And you eat that first bite, don't you? And all of a sudden, they're like, would you like to buy 800 of them? And you're like, yes, 
fill my car full. Our capacity is so minimized. What if we started to see God in terms of how he could fill our lives? We would ask him to fill our cars full, our homes full, our workplaces full, our lives full. We would want to live on full with God at all times. The problem is, sometimes we like sin better. Because God's will always goes beyond man's capacity. God's will always goes beyond man's capacity. It has to. You know how I know it? This morning we were singing. We sang these words. My heart will sing no other name but Jesus. And we sang that several times. You remember singing that just a while ago? I was in the middle of singing it and I stopped and I asked God for forgiveness because my heart likes to sing my name an awful lot. How about you? I mean, let's just be honest. And that day as Jonah walked through the streets, he was not singing God's name. Not even close. He was singing the name of Jonah. And as long as he could make it through three days in the city, he could leave. I just had to cover the city and then I'm out, God. You ever asked your child to do a, a chore? And every step of the chore, they, they just mouth off. You say, hey, would you take out the trash? Fine, I just hate the trash. I don't know why we always have trash. I don't know why I'm the one that has to always take out the trash. The trash is so far away. Then you give them the line as a parent. Well, when I was a kid, I had to carry the trash bag eight miles uphill. And then all of a sudden the world tilted and I had to walk back uphill to get back. So quit your complaining. When I was a kid, our trash bags didn't have force flex. They broke on you. Had to carry it with my teeth. <laughs> Quit complaining. Any of y'all had this? No, just me? Okay. I mean, I, I love me. Anyways, uh, but, but do y'all capture this? Like, we, we have this complaint, and then we look at our kids and we go, why are you complaining? Like, it's part of what we do. Until we're in service, and we hear a song or a sermon, and God calls us to do something, we go, I can't do that. I, God, to do that, I'd have to quit my job. And God, to, to do that, I'd have to, you know, go ask forgiveness. And, you know, God, I don't think you realize what it, and God's going, do you want to talk about suffering? I mean, we can go to the cross if you'd like to go there. I'm asking you to be obedient. But see, in Nineveh, there, there was no hope of a cross. I mean, let's remember where we are in history. Christ has not come. These people would have to sacrifice lambs. They'd have to sacrifice livestock, pigeons, grain. They knew what they needed to do. Word had gotten out to that point. But the problem is, that wasn't happening. Their hearts were busted. And so when the prophet shows up, they hear it and they have instant remorse they began to sackcloth and ash up and 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 they're wounded lord how did we get to here you ever had that moment i know i have god how did i get to here how did my sins line up to this point here god forgive me and my capacity opens up again to god saying 
I can do things. I can change you. Listen to me. There's this story that goes out about an old man. He, uh, he had been known for some time as being the greatest fisherman in history. He'd get out really early in the morning, and he'd always come back with a boat full of fish. And so, the game wardens there in Georgia began to gather up. And they sent their youngest out to go meet the old man before he pushed out in the water. And he said, sir, can I go with you? And he said, absolutely, why don't you come? And so he got on the boat with him, and this old man thought something was up. So he pushed out, and he went even further out in the water than he normally does. I mean, they're way out. Old man stops, and he looks at the young man and says, I think we've gone far enough, don't you? And he said, yes, sir. The old man took out a stogie and lit it up, got it burning hot. Young man was shivering a little bit. He didn't know what to do. With this, the old man reached in his jacket and he pulled out dynamite. And he looked at the young man. He goes, let's do this. And he lit it. Young man goes, sir, that's against the law. You can't do this. You, you, you got to fish like a normal man. He goes, yeah, you're probably right. Let it burn down a little bit further. He said, sir, uh, you can't drop that dynamite. I mean, you'll kill the fish. And he said, yep. And right about the end, he handed it to the young man. He said, do you want to talk or do you want to fish? The problem is this. Today you have unlimited power waiting for you. This unlimited power wants to change your life. It's walking your streets. It's in the church with you today. And it wants to change you. It doesn't want you to remain the same. It wants to fill your boat. But you're holding the key. And God is continuously talking and saying to us, if you will just be obedient to me, I can do something you would not even believe with your life. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that the Lord can change your life? Well, let me tell you the key. Repentance. Repentance is a response of our hearts in front of a holy God. Repentance. So today, if you don't know Jesus, if he has not changed your life, if you have not given him your everything, today is your day to say, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe scripture is true about you, and today I need you because of my sins. I need forgiveness, and I want you to come into my life, heal it, and lead me forward. Today, if that's you, today is your day of repentance. Did you know nowhere in Scripture does it give a prayer to receive Christ? But here's the thing. Prayer is how we talk to God. So today, this is your chance. Talk to God. Scripture says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So that's your obedience. That's your repentance today. Do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? And do you believe that he can use your life and leave an amazing story? If so, today, invite him into your heart. Do not leave this room without him. Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, you can use Jonah to change our lives, Lord, if we'll just be obedient. If we'll just listen, Lord. So Lord, help us to hear the story of Jonah and be changed by it. Lord, don't let us leave this room without listening to you. God, you want to change our lives. You want to save our lives and you want to lead our lives. And because of that, we want to be obedient and faithful. 
Help us to have the faith today, Lord, to trust you are who you say you are. And Lord, lead us forward. Lord, give us the strength to make you known. We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We want you to be made known in our lives. So Lord, help us to do that today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.